Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome, everybody, to the Inferno Suns podcast. I'm your host, Dan Scott, with my co-host, Seth Sabalas, Suns legend, as well as a former All-Star and the Lakers. And Mr. Orange will be coming in a couple minutes later. He's a Suns super fan, always at the home games and the away games. And uh, we got our guest today, Flex from New Jersey. Uh, Flex from Jersey, the Suns insider, a long time, and been covering the Suns here in the Valley for how many years you've been affiliated covering the Suns? Ten, ten, ten years, man. Ten years. Started with 98-7 back, wow. uh, back with Bloom. When Bloom and uh, Tim Kempton and Espo was doing the post-game show. So, so yeah, and I, I would years. hear those. I, I used to listen to you on, on 98-7 in the post-game. People call in and talk with you. And so, uh, you know, I was always really in, uh, inspired by your insight. Uh, the, Appreciate you. saw during the games. And so um, I am currently wearing something of our – Tri-State Connection. Shout out to the University of Connecticut. The Huskies won their fifth title two weeks ago. And this is from Eastern Invitational. My, yeah. 1997, yeah. okay? The only yeah. white camp I was allowed to <laughs> come to back when I was a high school player. I did. I wasn't good enough to make the Adidas ABCD camp. But Eastern Invitational, that was the year, 97, where kids who didn't get into ABCD camp because it was overloaded. It was one of the final years of the Adidas ABCD camp before they brought it back a couple of years ago. And they went to Eastern Invitational and Division One, Division Three scouts were loaded at that camp. And I went there the year before 96 with my AAU squad. That was in Ewing, New Jersey. At the time, it was called Trenton State, but they changed the name to New Jersey State University. And That's that was right. one of my proudest moments. I played plenty of of uh, games in New Jersey uh, for AAU, club, pickup, what have you. And uh, that basically is – I still wear this proudly to the gym when I play ball because that is my closest connection to being uh, the college uh, uh, recruit that I was. And I basically <laughs> want to uh, hold on to my youth and like I do in the gym. That's fire, brother. I, I I feel the energy, man. I remember that camp, man. Hey, you know, you know, that's the home of Davon Reed, too. You know, oh. that's uh Davon Reed, you in New Jersey, Trenton. That's that's where he's from, man. So, Is that right? Uh, he, yeah, and he and he rocked that. He he came from an AAU squad that my my son was affiliated with, the NJ Bulldogs. Wow. So uh yeah, shout out to Davon Reed. Davon Reed, yes, indeed, man. So I welcome Patrick. Dr. Patrick Patillo, I want to correct myself, state champion coach of Peoria High School in Arizona. And uh, he is the <clears throat> Orange, of course, as I introduced before. How you doing, man? I am well. How are you? Good afternoon, everyone. Yeah. Good hey. afternoon, Doc. Excellent. Excellent. So, yes, yeah, so let's get into it where we want to talk about the Suns in the playoffs starting to um, Sunday against the Los Angeles Clippers. Game one will be in Phoenix. And we got a lot to unpack. Kevin Durant will be playing his first playoff game for the Suns. And that's going to be really interesting going up against Kawhi Leonard and Russell Westbrook. And they're going to be without Paul George, who might be coming back mid-series as he's reevaluated for a sprained knee. So 
Who are you guys are favor uh, to win without bias, and how many games do you think it'll take for either team to move forward to the second round? Who going first here, man? <laughs> you want to go? You want to go, go first, Flex? Because you are the guest. Uh, nah, man, I gotta ask permission. You got my boy Shad and Mr. Orange. You know, what I mean, I'm just, I'm just playing the game right now, man. So if y'all, y'all allow me to go first, though, man. Um, I, I mean, yeah. listen, I, I like, I like the Suns, man. Um, I mean, listen. At the end of the day, the dynamic of Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, DeAndre, and I think that's just gonna be a little too much for this Clipper team that's without PG. Mm-hmm. And and I will say this on record, I, I had numerous conversations with some of my contacts out there connected close to the PG situation. Um, I haven't gotten any indication that he's coming back at all in this series. Oh, okay. So I, I know there's some rumors about him potentially trying to come back towards the end. But all indications I've gotten from conversations I've had with people close is that he's he's not coming back this, this round. So that's an advantage for the Phoenix Suns. Um, if, I, if I'm going to keep this very simplistic, guys, I, I think I, I look at this just from a purist standpoint. It just you know, and Mr. Orange, you could touch on this. I mean, you're, you're a basketball coach. I'm going to give you what I could give you. So what I mean by that is, you know, I'm going to give Kawhi his 25, and there's going to probably be one other guy in that lineup that's probably going to, you know, maybe get 20. They'll rotate that, whether it's Russ, whether it's Eric Gordon, whether it's Norman Powell. But to beat this team, you got to get 110. I think to beat the Phoenix Suns in this playoffs, that's the magic number. You're going to have to score 110 to beat them. And I just don't see where they're getting those other 60, 65 points um, in this series without PG. So I like the Suns being humble in six, but I, I think they can wrap this up in five if they can uh, they can steal one in, in L.A., um, one, of, one of the first two games in L.A. Mr. Orange. Yeah, uh, I'm right in line with Flex. I say possibility of Suns in five, but uh, realistically, uh, Suns in six, I think first series – Right. Uh, still, you know, not a lot of games under our belt with having the chemistry that will be uh, what it is. Um, obviously, it's playoffs, so it changes everything. Everyone elevates their game. Um, and so because of that, I think there's a potential that there's a game or two that the Suns lose and the Clippers are going to come out ready to go. And so I think, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it's in five. Uh, but but comfortably, I think the first series will will be Suns and it'll go six. And I think um, the defense for for me for the Suns is where the focus needs to be, and where I think that's where those one or two games that the Suns may lose will come into play is is getting the defense under their belt. I think I'm excited for tomorrow night's game, obviously here in Phoenix. I think the crowd is going to be ready to go. I think that atmosphere is going to be great. So I suspect us to to definitely take care of that game. But um, that that's what I'm looking at as a coach and a fan. Is, is the defensive rotations. What are the Clippers going to do? Ty Lue is a phenomenal coach, and that's why I give them a game or two, is he's going to have different looks and different game plans that are going to make the Suns and Monty Williams have to adjust and you know how how quick and how effective will Monty be with those adjustments. And I think that's where uh, one to two games you know could could go to the Clippers. Yeah, said. Yeah, well, you know, I had um I had anticipated it, it it going to maybe six, but now with this news from Flex, I this is gonna be a sweep. <laughs> uh, it was funny because Mr. <laughs> Mr. Orange, you said, uh, you know, you know, you're giving credit to Ty Lu, and I, you know, I played against Ty Lu and and uh, really cool friends with him. But uh, you know, when you got LeBron James on your team, especially in that Cleveland team, and that hard, I had already been to the finals. I mean, he just had to win one more game in the finals. That's all he basically had to do. Right. So, you know, everybody's always like, he's a dynamic coach. I'm like, wait a minute, he won two more games in the finals. That was it. He got LeBron back. I mean, it's just a 
a situation where just the firepower isn't there. And only only way I see them winning one, maybe two games is with turnovers. Uh, you know, Sun's trying to figure out, uh, be the nice guy. Sometimes, you, you know, we have two aggressive scorers. Uh, everybody wants to be the nice guy and extra passion, extra passion. That's when the Clippers can take advantage and maybe, you know, uh, jump into some lanes, getting some fast break layups and a little frustration on figuring things out. Uh, I mean, meaning that the, the, the 30th anniversary of our team, that's what we had to do against the Lakers first round. Our first two games, we've been pretty nice after having the best record in the league, you know, and after we figured out, you know, we, we got to keep playing aggressive, uh, we ended up sweeping the Lakers on the back end. So this is, this is, I think, the same type of scenario, but I don't think they have enough firepower without Paul George there uh, to make up that 110 that Flex talked about or even – you know, maybe even getting into the triple digits and it's going to be difficult because Suns really push the ball and get shots up quickly. Yeah, I remember that series said when the 93 where... Oh, uh, man, I remember that. Oh, Ooh. man, when James Worthy uh, had the ball in the end and in the Phoenix, he's holding up the ball and nodding his head like that with the, you know, and and then the guarantee came from the late, great Paul Westfall. We're going to win the series. We're going to win games, you know, you know, three and four and then five. You know, we said we're going to win on Tuesday, then yeah. we're going to come back right. on Thursday, we'll win there, right. and then we'll come back on Sunday, get that win, and everybody say what a great series it was. Hey, you know what? Hey, I'm a little, I'm sorry, guys. This is this is cool. Mr. Orange, you know I love you, man. You my guy. And I, I'm sorry I didn't get to say that when you came. Hey, said, man, listen, man. Um, I'm in New Jersey, born and raised in New Jersey, big Phoenix Suns fan, man. I had posts, and this this is some real stuff. I want to give you your love, man. Give you your flowers, dude. I had posters of my boy said on my wall, um, back in New Jersey, young wow. kid. I remember that. I, I remember that uh, playoff wow. series like it was yesterday. And I promise you, I always said if I ever got the chance to talk to you, I would tell you this. We don't have a championship in Phoenix because of your foot injury in <laughs> Seattle, brother. I pro I'm telling you. I, on, I, me, I, I remember Art. Let me get that cash app again. I'm that <laughs> nah, man. No, no, no. I'm serious. I, you know, I'm I'm cool with Tim Kempton. That's my brother. I've known him for years, and he played on that team with you guys in 92, 93. And, and I always would argue. I would say, man, Sed was the X factor in that series. And if we would have had Sed in the finals, man, I think I think there's, there's, there's a band there in that arena, man. So... Just want to give you your flowers, man. You a tremendous basketball player, dude. And um, I had you on my wall growing up. So to do this with you, bro, is pretty dope. Pretty, pretty, I appreciate pretty. that. Thank you so much. Hey, before I get in my breakdown of my opinion about this Suns Clipper series, I want to ask Flex, did you have Sed's singles flow on produced by Warren G? <laughs> I, I did. Yo, no, look, listen, I was a Warren G <laughs> head, bro. Listen, I was listening to Sed's rap albums. Like, I was yeah. listening to his music, man. Real you talk. I'm a, secret? I'm, I'm a hip hop head. I'm from New York, New Jersey, man. We get it. We get it. We get. That's how we do. It's basketball and it's rap. You know what yeah, I mean? Man. So. Well, let me let me get that cash up again because that album was recyclable. <laughs> you didn't send that it one. Was Recyclable. You had to get your deposit. I could send you your deposit back for that album, right? Bro, there. bro, nah, nah. Listen, I was, I was listening to you, man. It was, it was crazy. It was, uh, it was pretty dope. I, I remember being a kid and I'm listening. I'm like, damn, said got some flow, man. What's cool oh, with wow. that? I didn't, I didn't wow. even know, but I didn't even know you could do it like that. So, 
Um, yeah, man, it's, it's a lot of fun, bro. And I'm a big Warren G guy. I was always bumping the Warren G stuff, man. So sure. that's that's my brother. I still bump Warren G in my car, man. Like right, regulators so. is constantly on the on the on the on the shuffle. So yes, sir. Um, yeah, that's dope, man. My joint was this DJ, by the way. You know, by Warren. This DJ, me, Warren G. Come on, man. Y'all gonna make me go crazy on this. Yeah, man. That that was my favorite joint by him. So I'm gonna say my thing. Thing was about the um when it comes to the Suns in the Clippers series, I think six games is what it's going to take because the bench is so powerful from the Clippers. And I wrote about this last night, and it's up on today, AZ Central, and it will be in Sunday's newspaper uh, for Arizona Republic about the bench led by Norman Powell, who's one of the best six men in the league. You need a bench, a strong bench, to get you a deep playoff run or to be stellar. Uh, in the playoffs in, against anybody. And that's what the Clippers have. The Clippers, I'm going to give you some numbers here. They were actually first in uh, both offensive rating and three-point percentage, third in average scoring uh, for their bench, and also field goals made and fourth in assists. So that's the thing about the Clippers that is going to be dangerous coming up. And they got multiple guys off the bench that score with double figures. So when you have that, even though the defense is not as great, it's hard to defend against that, and you got to be ready. And I think the Suns might have some trouble with that. But when you got a guy like Eric Gordon and Bones Highland and, you know, Plumlee who can do a little bit of damage off the bench, and Marcus Morris, who who is not starting, and train uh, Terrence Mann, uh, who actually gave up his starting spot when they got Russell Westbrook, uh, who's basically putting up the same numbers that he did with the Lakers, which is around 15 and shooting about 47 you know, percent, 46. That's basically something to really hone in on. And Norman Powell and figuring out how to stop that guy who's putting up 17 off the bench, third behind uh, Kawhi and Paul George, and who is out. And so I think that that could be a problem. And I, I like the Suns, though, because when you have a guy like Kevin Durant, who can solve a lot of problems, a lot of three-point shots that he can, he's going to make, that's going to cover up a lot of mistakes uh, that the mm -hmm. Suns make. Uh, but I was also going to talk about, or also we should discuss the playoffs, the postseason, uh, the, the playing games, the Mavericks missing it, and the Pelicans getting knocked out by the OKC Thunder, and the Bulls uh, getting knocked out by the Heat. If you saw those games, you, and you're seeing what Arturis Karnisovic is saying about uh, the Bulls. He's a Bulls GM and, and, and not thinking about rebuilding and if they should break down this Bulls team. It makes you think about how disappointing the season was, even though the Bulls turned it around the second half of the season. So which team do you believe had the most disappointing season this year? And we'll start with Flex. Yeah, it's got to be the Mavericks. I mean, you come off a Western Conference Finals appearance, you got all the momentum, you knock out the 64-win Phoenix Suns last year, and then you give up a King's ransom for Kyrie Irving, who might leave, uh, you know, in, in, in a couple weeks or a month or whenever free agency starts. So um, it's got to be the Dallas Mavericks for sure, man. Um, I, I, I can't fathom that fan base right now and how they're feeling after having that type of run last year. And then coming in and, and having a season they had, and it just speaks. Uh, it, it speaks to the Luka Dantage situation. Like 
I, I've been saying this for a long time. The kid is super talented. He's one of the best scorers I've ever seen. But there's more to basketball than just scoring. There's chemistry, there's relationships, there's continuity with your teammates. I mean, listen, I, I, I'm from New York. I, 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 you know, Chris Dad Porzingis went over there, couldn't wait to get out. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, Jalen Brunson couldn't wait to get out. Kyrie can't wait to get out. So at some point, you got to stop pointing the finger and you got to start looking at the dynamic and saying, hey, you know, what's the common denominator here? All those guys are playing with Luca and they can't wait to get out. So I'm I'm a little concerned about that. I'm not seeing people rushing to the, you know, to the front of the line to play with this guy. And and it's because, you know, he's a great basketball player, but it takes a unique player to play with a guy like that because he's so ball dominant that there's times you may not touch the ball for seven minutes, man. And I, I just, I just, I think they're in a heap of trouble. Um, I see the NBA find them 750,000 for the tank job they just did. They got a 3% chance of getting Wimbanyana. They're, they're praying to the heavens that something miracle happens, some miracle happens. Cause if they don't, um, they're in a lot of trouble. So as far as disappointment, no way you can, I, I don't think it's even close to Dallas Mavericks. Absolutely. Well, they, you know, it wasn't no disappointing on this end because I said they wasn't going to make the playoffs. So. Yeah, <laughs> you did. He that did. Trade. He did. Okay. Yeah, so so. They made that trade. I he said did. they weren't going to make the playoffs. And I say that because I was in the organization for five years, but I saw Luca and, 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 and those things flex is crazy. It's like you read my mind. Those things I have time and time told him about. Nobody's going to come and play with you if you stare at players and you, you pout and you this, that, and the other. The camera is on right. you all the time. If you do that, they're not going to come. And 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 I, I gave him an example, you know, Kobe Bryant. If people They weren't knocking down the door to play with Kobe. I mean, he's a great talent, a winner, and, but they weren't knocking down the door. Every great accusation that they made was a trade. You know, yeah. you have to come. Same thing with Dallas Mavericks. Porzingis was a trade. You know, yep. you get a choice, you you Brunson, you leave. Uh, Kyrie Irving was a trade. Um, and, and then when you get rid of your uh, so-called pet bull in the fence with Dorian Finney-Smith, who protected Luka on the defensive end, then yep. that's why they broke down so badly after that trade because of the defense and it's just there. He just needs to get in shape. And and, and I know you're saying, well, he can get a triple-double anytime. Yeah, that's, if you have the basketball, you can get a triple-double in the NBA. It's 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 not that hard. Uh, yeah, the hard part mm -hmm. is the other aspects of it, rotating, uh, helping your teammates out. They always say that cliche, uh, doctor, and also Dana, that cliche of, well, he, he makes he makes uh, players better. Now, he just makes your job easier. There's a difference. Uh, yeah. Easier means that, yeah, three people demand on, on you and you just have an open shot. Making them better is elevating them to a winning status, elevating them defensively, offensively, making them play better. That's how you make other players better. You know, you getting them open shots does not make them better. That just get, makes their job easier. I agree. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed 100%. Absolutely. I agree uh, with, with both said and Flex. Uh, the only thing to add on top of that is just the piece of, you know, what what is going on in that organization? Because they're fine, and I believe it was the different. Everyone's like, well, everyone's tanking, everyone's doing this. You got to find everyone. It's a difference in how they handled it publicly. So you put Jason Kidd or Jason Kidd put himself in a you know a tough situation, and the way he responded to some of those media questions that made it very obvious he wasn't in line with the direction from the organization of making sure that they did not play um, publicly. You can't do that. Um, you know, culturally, uh, it is not strong there, and for the reasons you all hit on. Uh, 
um, clearly the expectations coming out of last year and then getting Kyrie um, was not even making the playoffs. It was making a run, you know, for a title. And so to not even make the playoffs and then, you know, almost have the opportunity to fight for a play-in before you you folded um, was a failure at, at that moment and, and said, like we said, you know, a couple of times on our pods, you called that once that trade happened. And so uh, there, there's serious restructuring that's needed um, from top down and that organization if they're going to really turn it around. Yeah, I am. I, I, would, I would definitely agree. E, Lukely eats up a lot of clock. You know, he most guys, and you can attest to this, said that most guys, when you get the ball, you get five seconds really to make your move. Luca plays with yeah. his food a lot. And so <laughs> you do that, and you basically do the standing around. You feel like you're in a pickup game at the Y, watching the dude just dribbling around to create his own shot, and you do is just waiting for you, and, and you're basically just running down the court, you know, to until the guy gets the ball back again, and you're hoping for him to pass it. So that's hard to build chemistry from that. But when it comes to the team that I feel is most disappointing – I'm going with the Pelicans because um, I, I really believe that with Zion coming into this season in shape and he looked physically more fit than he ever had uh, from pre years previous where he only played 85 games in three previous seasons, right? Ended up only playing 29 this year. They had to learn to play without him again. And they just gave him a bag in the offseason and – the fact is, is he's basically been out since January. So and he's got that hamstring in injury that is sidelining him again. All his injuries since the start of his career have been lower body injuries with all that power and all that talent, and you can't use it. So it's just like basically uh, a, a hit or miss, a big – and there's been more misses than hits when it comes to Zion – and the Pelicans' season basically suffered from it, not having him out there. They were supposed to have a big year, Willie Green, in the second season. They almost beat the Suns last year, who was the number one overall seed. And then if they had Zion, they probably would have ended up beating the Suns. You know, but that's, you know, for, you know, the past. And I got a question, though, uh, on that topic. Are you disappointed in the Pelicans or are you disappointed in Zion? See, because that's where I get a little bit lost. I'm disappointed in Zion because I'm I, I yeah things happen. I, I mean, they, no. So you know, I guess my point, Dana, is uh, with Zion, I'm not seeing the commitment. You just got the bag, bro. Yeah. You just got the bag. Like I, I, I get injuries happen, but when injuries are happening and there's a underlining theory or or suspicion that they're happening because you're not in shape. And you're not putting in the work behind the scenes to get in shape and to do everything you can to avoid these injuries. That's where I get a little bit lost on Zion. I was just having a conversation with some family about Zion. And I'm like, man, that kid got to get it together, man. He got to get it together. Like, we got to stop looking at everybody else and saying, yo, yo, dude, get in shape. Like, it's, it's getting to the point where I, I remember Chuck dealt with this early in his career. Moses Malone had to pull him aside and say, dude, you got to lose 40 pounds. Sure. Like you're not going to be right. able to play at 300 pounds. Right. And, and Chuck, to his credit, took the advice, put the work in and become one of the greatest players that we, we've ever seen. So Zion's got the talent, but I'm starting to question the, the motivations behind it. I mean, you just got a bag now, brother. I don't want to hear about me having to tell you to get in shape, man. You got to yeah. get in shape. So I love that. That's, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah, I feel you on that. And I love that what were you saying with Moses, you know, to Chuck, like you fat and you lazy, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember what, what Charles saying that. 
of uh, Moses and now basically started calling him dad, you know, because he was basically figuring out how to get to the best of his ability. And I wonder if Zion has that type of guy to help him get to the best of his ability to look up to as a young man and a young, talented man with so much power, so much potential and strength. Uh, But I believe, you know, 6'6", 285 pounds. I know that Alex uh, and and, uh, Raymond Felton had a podcast about this, actually, that they just posted uh, about, uh, I believe, about how Zion probably won't be going slim with no uh, weights, with basically a summer with no weights in trying to slim down. It's not going to happen. But I'm more disappointed in the Pelicans because they had a stretch where they lost 10 games in a row in January, and they had a bad stretch uh you know in in early march where they lost what one two three four five uh basically lost you know five or seven games and then they turned it around where they won five in a row from march 19th to the 27th and then they basically ended into the playoffs in the play and so they had the time to turn they they basically turned it around they watched that out in march and the way they played so I believe that the Pelicans had what they could only basically work with so much. They had B.I. He was he was hurt for a lot of the year. And then they had, you know, McCollum and, of course, uh, Herb Jones. And, you know, they had um, Trey Murphy, the third, starting to come into their own as great scorers. But if you can't beat a young, uh, up-and-coming OKC squad the other night uh, in the play-in, and close them out at home, then yeah, that's a, that's way more disappointing to me. Yeah. With than I think what the Mavericks were, we knew they weren't going to make the playoffs. Where we thought the Pelicans were definitely going to secure a spot, and they were at the top of the Western Conference at, earlier in the season. They were one of the best teams, and they just basically just fell flat from January on down. That's why I say it's real, real odd too, as well. I was talking to um, Jay, Will, Keyshawn, and Max on their show the other day about Zion, and this is what I and and and. Flex, you blame Zion for this. And I want to put the, the emphasis on the Pelicans too as well because mm-hmm. every highlight that you see or clip that you see him in practice or or working out before the games, he's elevating and dunking. Right. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he should call Charles Barkley up and 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 get him effectively uh some moves or some opportunities on how to play but not not lose weight but how effective Barkley was at 6465 playing amongst giants and and mm-hmm. and and bar and I, I it's funny because last night he was smoking cigars and I told somebody this Charles never practiced with us when we went to 93. You know, wow. he, he was stretch he would shoot around and goof around we'd go over to other teams or what Paul Westfall wanted to see in the games coming up and then he would go be in the jacuzzi or or <laughs> in the phone or goofing around. Then he'd have his little press conference. He'd come back down after practice was over and then have his little press conference after that. And, and so it wasn't about him staying in shape. It was like, you know, we just need you to understand how to play and how to save your body. And like I said, I see clips after clips of him dunking 360 in the windmill. Like you said, you wasn't going to be in the dunk contest. Stop doing these dunk contests during <laughs> practice. Let it go. It's not a problem, you know, but I, I see it's going to wear on in his career. And that's why people are starting to doubt like you did flex on, hey, man, we gave you a bag of 200 plus. 
why are you still not in shape? Uh, and we understand that you're young and you need to mature, uh, some maturity to this, but you still need to, you know, effectively go. And then what's the little guard's name who's the, the kleptomaniac on the court, man? He just steals everything. Calderon, Jose Calderon. Jose, uh, yeah. Jose Alvarado. They hadn't had him in a while, too. So yeah, that might hurt plus yeah. for that energy bug that they may need oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, towards the end of the season. Yeah. That's a fact. Right. You guys been watching any of the playoff games this Saturday, today? Yeah, man. My boy Cal was getting busy. <laughs> my boy Kel was getting busy, man. I was, I, I mean, he had 30. Cam had 18. They just ain't got enough firepower, man. I mean, that Philly team, they got, they got 20 plus from Embiid. They got 20 plus from Harden and, uh, and Tobias Harris had 22 and Tyrese almost got 20. So you got four guys damn near 20 points. Um, they ain't got enough firepower, man. But yeah, I was, I was peeping out, uh, that net game. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm I can't wait for tonight though. Yeah, yeah. Shouts out to uh, Jock Vaughn on trying to switch things up. They, I mean, they threw the kitchen sink at Joel Embiid, but he he moved the ball like a gentleman and and rotated, and people knocked down shots. Uh, that's one thing Doc yeah. said, man. When even though that guy is so dangerous when he has the ball in the hand, he he has the opportunity and has the ability to get rid of it and and make shots for others. Speaking of Mikael, should he be in the running for most improved player? Uh, and they just released the finalists on Friday, uh, the 14th, that in most improved player finalists are Jalen Brunson from the Knicks, which is Mikhail's boy from Villanova, uh, Shea Gilgius Alexander from the Thunder, and Laurie Markinen. Well-deserved for all three. But do you think Kale should have been in that run? Yeah. Any of you? Yeah. I think I think so, but you know, it's a it's a numbers crunch. I mean, there's a whole bunch of other guys that probably in there that, that we're not talking about either. So, you know, when you narrow it down to three, those three guys are really deserving. But yeah, what Mikel has done, the fact that he's never missed a basketball game and he goes out to Brooklyn and and just doesn't doesn't miss a beat. Yeah, Mikel should definitely be in there. But I, I think that's I think Mikel's gonna be an all-star next year. Remember I said it here, guys. I think, I think he's going to be an all-star in the East next year. I really it's do. Tough. It's tough when you make the trade, especially during midseason, yeah. and they yeah. put you in the most improved. And then, and then Jalen, you know, Jalen plays the same way that he played in, in, uh, in Dallas. He just needed more minutes. Uh, that's basically consistent yeah. minutes, uh, you know, playing with the Luka circus over there. <laughs> Um, yeah. They killed Al Alexander, but yeah. I, I think that's where it, it, it probably should go one because they had an opportunity um, uh, to get in the postseason or, or be in the postseason. Uh, and I thought marketing just didn't. They started out flashy. You know, Utah mm -hmm. started out. We was like, whoa, we, nobody even thinking about this. And then they dropped off after, the you know, they, they took the veteran away from them and, and, and Conley. Uh, uh, yeah, you see the difference between having I, I say this all the time, and I'm not saying it because I'm an old head. The difference when you don't have that <laughs> old head on your bench, man, it, it really changes the dynamics of your team. And and it may or may not been, you know, the dismissal of Gobert or or or, or, or Donovan Mitchell to Cleveland. Uh, but I think they still had it together after they made those trades Uh with that old head on the bench, just keeping everybody on a steady groove. And then after he left, that's when it just seems like everybody's just like, eh, I ain't got to do my extras. I don't have to do this. I don't have to study as much. I don't really have to track back because I don't have that sort of, unquote, evil eye looking over my shoulder all the time. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Well, and speaking of the transition, I spoke to Chris Paul at the Suns Saturday practice 
and asked him about being 38 years old, playing in a time where players' careers are much longer, closer to 20 years than in the 2000 when he entered the league, where players' careers usually ended around maybe 10, 12. And he said it's a blessing when people talk about his age rather than looking at it as a detriment to his ability. Uh, and so he basically was just like, he, he looks at old clips of himself and he just is so impressed by how much he's able to maintain his body being a vegan. And so do you believe if the Suns do not win this finals uh, coming up in June, and that's what they went all in for, and they, King's Ransom, as you said earlier, Flex, do you believe that the Suns should move on from Chris Paul? And we'll start with Flex. Uh, man, that's a tough one, bro. That's a tough one because it depends on how this run ends. You know, I'm, I'm, I still think there's a lot of very good Chris Paul, a lot of, lot of stuff in the tank there. Um, I think you're starting to see glimpses of a new Chris Paul where he doesn't have to be the one or the two or the three. He can comfortably be the fourth guy and spot up and let KD and Book handle the point guard duties and bring the ball up and get people into their sets. And he can be a guy that is just going to sit here in the playoffs and take five, six, seven threes a game. And so this may be a situation where the Kevin Durant, Devin Booker dynamic actually extends his career now. If you asked me before the KD trade, I probably would have told you if we don't make it to the finals or to the Western Conference finals, I think this would be Chris's last year in Phoenix. But now this is a whole different, this is a whole different ball of wax, man. So I, I just think it's how he plays and how far this team can go um, that's going to dictate you know, whether Chris is back next year. But if I had to, if I were betting man right now, I think Chris is back next year. I, I don't see a situation where he's not back. There's three scenarios with this. If they go all the way to the finals and lose, I don't think Chris is coming back. And I don't think they need him to come back because they're going to think like, okay, his legs weren't enough to get us over the hump. Just like they saying the same thing when Giannis turned on the uh, I'm ready to play button uh, in the finals two <laughs> years ago. Right. Because uh, once yeah. he got healthy, once Giannis got healthy after that three game, uh, three days off, uh, game one and game two, you know, it, it's nothing they can do with him. Now, if they go to the first round with uh, the Clippers and Paul, and they get exited out by the Clippers, definitely Paul is gone. In the middle, if they get eliminated somewhere in the middle, I think he stays because the middle seems like, okay, we have something here. We just didn't have enough time with Katie's injury and, and, and warmups uh, to get everybody on the same page. We are dangerous, but we still haven't got ourselves on the same page. Give them an opportunity to go to training camp together, grow together, all-star break, and then, you know, kick it in like that. Uh, so that's the scenario that I see if Chris Paul is here or, or not here uh, after this season. I think uh, pretty aligned, I would say, as long as it does, it's not a first-round exit, I would say he's back. And what was interesting, I was on a pod with Doug Franz, and he asked uh, the legendary Al McCoy, from his vantage point, who has been the best leader that the Phoenix Suns has had over your time? And for me, when the question was asked, I said, from my point of view, which obviously I'm not in the organization, um, would be Steve Nash. And Al McCoy said Chris Paul. And so Ooh. I was very interested what Al McCoy would say his second was, because that's where I would wonder if it's uh, Steve Nash. And so for that as well, the leadership that he must be bringing to that organization, I think is, is extremely valuable, whether that translates to what he can do on the court and his minutes, et cetera. Um, but to Seth's point, as long as it's not a first round exit, I think anywhere in there, 
Lex's point about him not having to be the man, and we've seen how Chris Paul's been shooting lately because, well, if you're going to leave him open and, and disrespect him because of all the others, he will show you what he still can do. I think for, for that reason, the pressure not being as high, in my opinion, on the floor in on Chris Paul with the dynamic of adding, you know, having uh, Kevin Durant, obviously, I think for those reasons, as long as it's not a first-round exit, uh, CP3's back. Yeah. Well, I think with Chris, uh, he's obviously – in a, not in the prime of his career. He's in the back nine, and he definitely will need to step up. I like how they Monty has pretty much managed his time with the ball and usage because he, they wanted Chris more off the ball, and basically they have that time together in New Orleans earlier in Chris' career for five years together, and Chris told him that there were times where he would bring up the ball so much that he feels so worn down, and that wears you down. And so Monty even said earlier – uh, um, Saturday's practice that he's fortunate and feels that they have multiple ball handles that can bring up the ball and Chris can basically be the spot up shooter that uh, Flex was talking about and that we've seen and he's starting to thrive in that role to not have that responsibility of facilitating the offense so uh, we'll see I believe that if the Suns lose in the first round definitely he's gone he's got one more year left on his three year deal for 120 million and uh, if they lose in the second round, like we, they did last year, if they have a disappointing ending, like if like if they meet Denver and they just get knocked out four games or two, then yeah, they'll probably be gone. But if they get to the finals and if it's basically like a last second shot, like John Stockton against that, you know, uh, Super Bowl <laughs> in 98 uh, with Barkley uh, and Hakeem and Clyde Drexler, then he'll probably stay and live out his contract. But they'll probably won't extend him after that because he'll be 39 next year. So in the last minute or so, I want to talk to uh, you guys about New Jersey rap history real quick. I want to give homage to what I love about New Jersey. I don't know if y'all – you grew up in New York before you moved out uh, to the Valley, right, Patrick? Yes, sir. Yep. Brooklyn. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know yeah. that. Okay, Doc. I was there till I was okay, seven. Doc. Yes, sir. Right. Okay, so I'm going to try to say it too. So okay, Fed okay, is basically okay, the, okay, the, okay, the okay, last couple okay, minutes. Okay, I just wanted to mention okay, how okay, um, there was this, uh, okay, a couple of guys okay, that I wanted to put out there. Um, Red Man, Nature, Naughty by Nature, Fuji's, uh, uh, Queen Latifah, Poor Righteous Teachers, Lords of the Underground, Lakim Shabazz, Artifacts, Joe Budden, Chino XL, Apache, Makami, Turab G, uh, and uh, Super Producer DJ Mark, the 45 King, John Forte, Rod Digger, and the, and the Outsiders crew, YZ. And Tupac's Outlaws crew was actually from Jersey. Outlaws from, from Nork, baby. Yeah. So How about cannabis, man? Oh. Cannabis, yeah. How about cannabis? My boy, cannabis. Wow. Okay. Can I? Yeah. Bust? Can yeah. I bust? That's right. Yeah, That's right. Well, did he have the most disappointing album? Hey, hey, Seth, you shaking your head, Seth. Cannabis. That was my man. That's my man. Yeah. I don't know about the album, though, but right. I, I always have Redman in my top five, period, man. I love Redman. Yeah. Red Red's man. my guy.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.